Hey there, Scott McNulty here. I just wanted to drop a note here before this new episode of Random Trek. That's right, the first in almost two years to let you know that the episode you're about to listen to with Seth was recorded almost two years ago. I will give you a little insight into why such a long hiatus in the next episode of Random Trek, which will be here in about two weeks, and then many more episodes after that, hopefully. Uh, Thank you for listening, and enjoy the episode. Welcome back to Random Trek, the podcast in which I, your host, Scott McNulty, discuss a random episode of Star Trek with a non-random guest. I am welcoming back to the show your favorite Hugo podcaster and mine, Seth <laughs> Heasley. Hello, Seth. Hi, Scott. Thanks for having me back. I uh, It's a pleasure, and thank you for having me on your podcast. Every time, so the way it works is you invite me on your podcast, and then I think I have a lovely time talking to you after I've read yes. Uh, a book that perhaps I've had maybe not a lovely time reading, but uh, it's nice to talk to you about it. And then I think I should talk to him again and invite you on my podcast. And that's that's how podcasts are made. Yep. <laughs> and uh, I'm running out of episodes to cover. So, you know, I'll have to get you in a little more quickly for the uh, next one, I think. Mm-hmm. It, it, there was a, a large lapse between the two. But before we go on, why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself and your podcast and all that good stuff? Yeah, uh, I am Seth Easley. I am a Star Trek fan and a science fiction fan, general geek. And I have a couple of podcasts. One of them is called Take Me to Your Reader, where we talk about adapted science fiction. And then I have Hugo's There, which is the one that I kind of modeled after Random Trek. Um, I don't do the exact same random thing. The randomness kind of comes in from my guest choosing the title that we're going to discuss. And you've come on a couple times for... Mm -hmm. uh, pretty large books one of them significantly larger than the other yes um, but uh but yeah still working through those i have uh more than 50 episodes and i've still got another 25 or so to go and then it, what what happens this people ask me this all the time they say what happens when you run out of star trek episodes and i just laugh and laugh because that's right. not gonna happen. <laughs> uh but you theoretically could yes meet up to current hugo nominations and then yes what do you have a plan for that i'm starting to think about it i'm still a couple years away from having to really think about that um but i'm yeah i do have i I have a few ideas about what i might like Mm -hmm. to do i'm not sure that i want to just embark on doing another whole list so i'll probably take some time uh after i finish all of them to just kind of do some retrospective episodes you know maybe go through and talk uh with one or more people about an entire decade that kind of thing oh that's nice and you could also here's a free idea that you probably already thought of uh you Mm -hmm. could do uh the books that you think should have won yes years because that seems like low-hanging fruit yeah, the problem with that, though, Scott, is that requires more reading from me. And I feel <laughs> oh, like that's true. <laughs> I might need a break at that point. <laughs> yeah, but just pick the ones that you already have, and there you go. That's there we the, go. The secret is uh, you don't actually well, have to read them all. <laughs> yeah, I know. But the uh, the thing is that, you know, I kind of set myself this project because I wasn't really very well read. And so when I look at the list of nominees and winners, you know, when I started, I had read 12 of the winners. and three or four of the nominees other than the winners. And so uh, uh, there's not a lot of them on there that I've already read. Not see, a lot that, of a ground to uh, recover. That could be a problem. Although I will say mm-hmm. I am uh, 
uh, I read a lot, but the, uh, I was uh, surprised when I started. So for the, the Incomparable, we do a Hugo's podcast every year. Mm-hmm. And when I started, when we started doing that, I was surprised at how few of the Hugo nominated things and Hugo winners I had actually read up until that point. So yeah, uh, who knows? I guess, you know, well, that's the good thing about these awards is that, or at least as far as I'm concerned, because uh, I'll never be nominated for one. But one of the things that I enjoy about <laughs> it is that I, since I read them, uh, it forces me, in quotes, to read books that I just normally wouldn't pick up because right. they're not in my normal list of things that I like to read. Yes. And I'm always pleasantly surprised. Well, that's not true. I'm usually pleasantly surprised uh, by right. the, the quality of the book. Sometimes I think, why has this been nominated for anything? And if you're not uh, pleased by, you know, just a few weeks down the line you forget it right it's true it's that's the wonder <laughs> of being me but anyway we're we're done with that let's switch to now the last time you were on random trek we talked about a voyager episode uh, yes this time we're going to talk about deep space nine uh, yeah so tell me your thoughts about deep space nine as a whole have you uh now everyone knows that i consider deep space nine to be the best uh star trek series uh do you agree with that well so I can give you my answer to that, but I should probably give you uh, my lack of bona fides for that, oh. uh, because I haven't watched more than a handful of Voyager episodes. I think I watched half of the Enterprise um, premiere and then stopped watching it and never <laughs> went back to it. Um, I have watched uh, I have watched all of new Star Trek, mm-hmm. and so I am a Star Trek fan. I'm not necessarily like an obsessed Star Trek fan, right? And so I don't I don't hold it as the super precious thing. It's something that I loved when I was growing up. I watched the original series and its indication. I watched The Next Generation as it was coming out. But I kind of lost track of it when I went to college. And that's when, I, you know, I, I didn't actually watch Deep Space Nine in the original run. Mm-hmm. And um, And so it's only something that I've gotten to in no small part due to podcasts like yours and, and some other Trek podcasts talking about how great Deep Space Nine was that I finally finally went through and watched all of it and really, really enjoyed it. So I think it's great, but judging it against the rest of Star Trek, I'm not sure I'm the right person to do that. Um, uh, I do think on the whole, I love TNG and that is mm-hmm. kind of the, the true story for me. Um, <laughs> but uh, I can recognize that Deep Space Nine did some really interesting things and probably went to deeper places. Mm-hmm. And so overall, I think it is better, even though I still would say my favorite is TNG. The nice thing about... Um, kind of holding track kind of tenuously and not, not, not like it's my precious, you know, is that I can kind of enjoy anything from Trek that comes out. And so like, I love discovery. I, I really enjoyed Picard. So it's all good. I love the JJ movies. Oh, see, you love it yeah. all. It's, it's, that's yep. the way to be. And that's what yep. I uh, would like to think that I am like that, but uh, I probably am not completely like that <laughs> because there are some things I'm like, Oh, how dare you? That ship is not right. supposed to be there. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. Uh, but yes. generally, I try to think, you know, I want to be a, 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 a open-minded, as, as open-minded right. as possible. Because, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes you can get, like, for example, the this episode that we're going to talk about, which is Nor the Battle to the Strong, which is mm-hmm. a fifth season episode, fourth episode of the fifth season of Deep Space Nine, um, really highlights the kind of stark difference between what Deep Space Nine is trying to do and what the next generation was doing. Uh, yes. Because I cannot imagine a next generation episode like this ever happening. Right. Right. 
Well, from a, from a number of ways, right? Because mm-hmm. it's very much kind of a slice of life during this particular arc that's happening on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't stand alone all that well on its own. Um, yeah. Yeah, you're like, why are the Klingons blowing up stuff? What is happening? Right. What aren't they our friends? Why is right. Odo like spraining his ankle? It doesn't make any sense. I'd forgotten about that part. <laughs> That's like a, a throwaway part. This is, mm-hmm. I imagine. Now I'm not uh, a screenwriter. I know this is going to come to a sh- as a shock to you, Seth. But uh, <laughs> I have not written any Star Trek episodes nor any episodes of television, professionally or as an amateur. Uh, but I imagine. You have a set number of time you need to fill up, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially for, for these syndicated shows. And uh, you have your story you want to tell. And then you realize, uh-oh, we still have like 10 minutes left. <laughs> so right. what can I do? What oh, can we maybe throw into a B-plot? <laughs> decaf wrecked a Gino, uh, right. <laughs> a sprained ankle. <laughs> Worried Cisco kind of writes itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's just amusing to me as I watch these, the way I watch Star Trek has changed because mm-hmm. of this podcast, right? So I, I watch, especially when I'm watching an episode for this podcast, I watch it with a slightly more critical eye than I would, uh, if I'm yeah. just, you know, turning on Star Trek to just zone out or enjoy a favorite episode or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. and so it's just funny the way you think, look at these scenes and think, hmm, yeah. This is, uh, so, uh, you know, Quark, uh, has to be in an episode, uh, contractually obligated to be in this episode. So they need a scene right. to have Quark in yes. <laughs> and Miles and all that. So, uh, and they don't want to, I guess they don't want to make it too heavy because this is a pretty heavy episode. Uh, it is. Yeah. And they, they inject some levity, although a couple of places they inject some levity, you wouldn't necessarily expect it. No. And the Bolian. Uh, orderly yes. is uh, uh, played by once I figured out the actor who played him, which is uh, the same actor who played Francis in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Uh, it was very <laughs> distracting to me because <laughs> I just kept imagining him in that uh, that unitard thing that he wore uh, and mm-hmm. asking, you know, making fun of Pee Wee Herman. But <laughs> that's just me. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, I think, you know, the way television, we still call it television, the way content is made now you know you have things like the mandalorian where it's like we're going to make an episode as long as it makes sense Mm -hmm. to make the episode and we're not going to pad it out to 42 minutes you know but you know deep space nine definitely had to fit into that have to yeah runtime right and that you know the mandalorian also has episodes that are much uh, longer right so i think so that freedom i think is both a good and a bad thing too because you you can tell in some of these streaming only shows that you know you don't really need to be that long uh right yeah yeah. you can cut on the other hand there's something to be said for predictability right if i sit down to watch something i might plan an hour Mm -hmm. and if it's an hour and a half i might go oh i guess i'm finishing that tomorrow exactly and then by that time you won't remember what happened if you're me (laughs) you have to start over (laughs) and then you never finish it Uh, yeah All right, well, let's talk about this episode. So this episode is uh, really a Jake episode, right? And uh, Jake and Bashir, I suppose, but Jake is the main character, I would say, of this episode. Mm -hmm. And Bashir is there to be like a catalyst for some some spiritual growth within Jake, I suppose. Uh, I don't know if spiritual growth, but he has a traumatic experience, uh, basically, and he has to deal with it. He's not as... uh, as tough as he thinks he is. Uh, well, that's not a good way of saying that. He is, he's kind of blasé about war. And then having right. experienced it firsthand, he realizes the horrors of it. And uh, mm-hmm. then, you know, 
isn't less judgmental about a particular character yeah. in this episode. He gets to grow up a little bit. He gets a rude awakening. Yes. And when I, we, I was watching this episode with my wife, Marisa, and uh, at the end of it, she said, Jake's not cut out for this kind of thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> I said, oh, yeah, that's, that's why he wants to be a writer. He doesn't want to be uh, going to the front lines of the Federation Klingon War. He wants to mm-hmm. be in Deep Space Nine, writing uh, that, that book that he will in the future uh, be famous for. Right. I can definitely understand him wanting something more interesting than the very boring Dr. Bashir, <laughs> um, especially at the beginning where, where Bashir is doing kind of classic nerd who's in love with the topic, uh, mm-hmm. thinking everybody would find it fascinating, you know, and yes. talking about, what is it, quantum resonance effects of prion replication. <laughs> yes, which, you know, sounds interesting, I guess. But yes, so we open with Jake and Bashir. They're coming back from a medical conference. Apparently, Jake has been assigned from somebody, some editor has assigned mm-hmm. him uh, a prof- to write a profile of Julian Bashir, I guess. Uh, yeah. And Julian has decided that, you know, the best way for Jake to get a slice of that Bash- delicious Bashir life is to come with him to a medical conference. And, right. Uh, <laughs> which seems like, you know, I, I have done a little writing. I've been paid for my writing, uh, you know, so I'm fancy pants. Uh, feels like if you're, you're going to do a profile of someone, following them to a conference is like the worst possible thing yeah. to do. <laughs> yeah, not good. I, I mean, you'd think, I mean, I understand in terms of the the creation of this episode, they wanted yes. the buddy cop dynamic there with, mm-hmm. with Bashir uh, and Jake. And so they had to figure out how do we get these two together? And it makes no sense whatsoever that he would have followed him to a medical conference when on the station, there's certainly more interesting things happening. Yes. And there'd be less travel. It'd be like, I, I'll yeah. just shadow you in sick pay for, you know, a few right. days and I'm sure interesting mm-hmm. things will happen because we live on deep space nine and it's the middle of a war. Right. <laughs> but yes, yeah. so, but Jake is, is honing his journalistic instincts and he thinks this is not going to be a good story. Uh, and he is right mm-hmm. because Dr. Bashir is boring everybody. Uh, right. as, as to the point that Jake is rooting for a plague yeah, to break so out somewhere. <laughs> I wrote that down. I was like, maybe not uh, at the end of a pandemic. I don't want to, I don't want you rooting for right. a virus there, Jake. No, not so much. <laughs> no, boo. <laughs> uh, and then he's like, you know, uh, well, they get a distress signal from a planet, uh, which I don't think I'll be able to pronounce. Agilon, is that it? Agilon, Agilon Prime, I believe Agilon they said. Prime, yes. Uh, and oh no, the Klingons are attacking. And this is where I must admit, I momentarily forgot that there was a Klingon Federation war in Deep Space Nine. Right. And I was like, why are the Klingons attacking this colony? What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> turns out there was, people probably remember far better than I do. Uh, it had to do with changelings and tricking people. Mm-hmm. It's a whole thing that I won't ruin if you haven't watched that arc, but it's right. a thing. Uh, so the Klingons are, are marauding. <laughs> right. I did love that Jake got the, the kind of Ralphie from a Christmas story look on his face when he was thinking, oh, <laughs> surgery under fire, you know, if we get to go down and, and I can uh, profile Bashir uh, you know, behind the enemy lines. Yeah. And I thought to myself, this is not going to, this is not going to, of course, I've seen this episode before, but I also right. thought, yeah, it's not going to be a good idea. This is not a good idea, mm-hmm. Jake. Don't, don't root for plagues or wars. This is the, yeah. a bad perspective to be. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but he's excited. You know, having, having only seen all of Deep Space Nine just the one time when I watched it through, um, you know, it was, it was interesting to go back and get to rewatch an episode because, of course, I had no memory of this one. <laughs> Other than, yeah, I think I kind of knew that bad stuff was going to happen, but I didn't know, mm-hmm. you know, beat for beat or anything like that. So it was, yes. it was nice to revisit. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't think this is a bad ep- – it's a little heavy-handed, this episode, but it's not particularly sure. bad. Um, but it's also not particularly no. memorable, right? It's not like, uh, oh, right. that one. Um, mm-hmm. It definitely has its moments, and it, it uh, kind of gives a little more believability to Jake's development as a writer. That's true. It is It is a good Jake story uh, from, you know, eager to <laughs> go into war to mm-hmm. uh, having experienced the horrors of war uh, in a rather rapid sequence of events where he meets someone who, uh, yeah. you know, tries to uh, shoots his own foot so that he can be off the front line and Jake is disgusted mm-hmm. by him. And then Jake uh, has to help, you know, move a whole bunch of dead bodies. Uh, and then he is, uh, uh, has to run off to the, the shuttle craft or the runabout, sorry, it's Deep Space Nine, uh, to, to right. pick up a portable generator. And I, uh, someone was opening their email client, uh, and, uh, getting, you know, freaking out himself and running off, uh, it, it all have, he has a bad day, stumbles into, yes, uh, a Klingon, <laughs> a, a field full of dead Klingons. And then he stumbles into a foxhole with a dying person in it who then dies. Right. And then it's it's not great. They pack a lot in to this they this do. journey of his. Um, although I did think it was interesting that Doctor Bashir didn't real and we're, we're skipping around a lot. But Doctor Bashir, mm-hmm. um, you, know, you know, in the middle of battle, you're not going to notice. You, you don't know what happened. So Doctor Bashir doesn't know that Jake left and ran away mm-hmm. from him. And so when Jake shows up, he's like, "Oh, thank goodness!" Um, right. Did he think he had been vaporized? That's what I was trying to figure out. I assume that they thought he was vaporized or yeah. he, you know, a Klingon ate him or something. Um, I don't, I don't think Klingons do that, but, um, and then I did think at the end, Jake writes this, this story about how, you know, uh, he was a, both a hero and a coward and all that mm-hmm. st- good stuff. Uh, and, uh, Captain Cisco, he's sitting there while his father is reading it, which I thought was, if it were me, that would be excruciating because I hate right. sitting next to someone else they're reading something that I have written. It's awful. Um, but luckily yeah. he likes it. And he says, oh, the great job. Uh, you know, I think everyone who's been in battle sees themselves in this and it takes great courage to write this and, uh, you know, share it with everybody. Um, and I thought, and they also show, they cut to Dr. Bashir reading it. And I couldn't help but thinking, uh, Dr. Bashir is just kind of pissed off because now he's reading what you actually did. And he's like, I can't believe right. you left me there. Yeah. <laughs> you left me for dead, Jake. Yes. Anyway. I mean, it is understandable. And, it, you know, like you said, this isn't an amazing episode. I think it's a good one. Um, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't put it in the category of a bad episode, but the there's a very simple arc from Jake, right? He comes in, he judges the guy with the self-inflicted wound. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he sees death immediately, right? I mean, he, he tries to get somebody to check on someone to triage them. And, and he, he starts writing even about, you know, the sorting of the dead and then gets drafted as an orderly. So mm-hmm. he really has to get his hands into it. Um, I thought it was kind of a jerk move from Bashir when they finally got a break and got to eat that he starts talking about making a lateral uh. incision in his <laughs> chicken or whatever he's eating. I did think that was a jerk move as well. That was too much for for Jake. Jake, yes. Jake was not used to it. Although I do think, well, no, I've never been in a situation like this. Uh, but I imagine that, you know, the whole gallows humor, which is something that happens uh, later as well, uh, yes. is, is is pretty common in this. Because the only way you can get through this kind of thing, I imagine, once again, big caveat here, uh, is to kind of make 
as much light of it as you can. And so uh, I feel like right. Dr. Bashir was kind of like, you know, I've been here before. This is my job. Uh, let's make a little fun uh, here. And uh, Jake, not quite in the same frame of mind. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, he was not prepared to joke about the uh, benefits of being vaporized by a disruptor <laughs> or beheaded, <laughs> decapitated by a bat lift. I found that conversation to be uh, delightful, but Jake did, I did not. Too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then it made me think about, I think I would, I would want to be vaporized uh, as long as it's not a Romulan disruptor though, because Romulan disruptors are, uh, as you know, keyed to be very painful. So it, uh, right. It or a Veron T disruptor. See, yes. I, oh, I know TNG. See, you know, you're, 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 you get your creds out there. Uh, yep. But yeah, I don't know. I don't think I'd want to be beheaded. No, I don't think so either. Despite, you know, the, the Bolian did have the Debbie Downer approach to both of those deaths. Mm -hmm. um, but he didn't offer up his own. Uh, no, he didn't. Yeah. I wanted to know what he was going to vote for. That's right. But then he was interrupted by Jake, who was like, I can't believe you're doing this. Ah. Right. <laughs> Bashir's like, uh, follow me, Jake. I know you're scared. We're all scared. But the chill out, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. This episode. Uh, no, it is good, though. Uh, and so... They get to the they get to the hospital. Bad things are happening, uh, and this is where I think at the moment that I watch this now, I, this is a fifth season episode, so um, I'm not sure if this is kind of a turning point in Deep Space Nine because I can't remember uh, with the amount of people who die in this episode. But it is there are a lot right. of people who are just dying left and right, and something Very that much. you don't normally see in Star Trek, right? So I was because mm -hmm. Klingons are kind of treated as uh this you know honorable warrior race but let's face it they're kind of a joke uh in many instances of star trek right mm -hmm. they're supposed to be this big threatening thing but they're kind of the the burly uh drunk singing mm -hmm. honor obsessed uh opera fan people who eat worms uh right. so they're not <laughs> particularly i mean they always everyone in there says oh klingon warriors they're very fierce but it's not generally how they're portrayed in Star Trek. Uh, mm. And this episode, though, is like, you know, those Batliths, uh, they mess you up. And here's yeah. what happens when a bunch of Klingons land on your planet and want to kill you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And you, you do have the nice contrast between the guy with the self-inflicted wound who, you know, saved his own life mm -hmm. that way. And then Burke, who's this guy who Jake stumbles into when he falls down the hill, um, who's been apparently eviscerated by a batleth or something and just doesn't want to die with his uh, face in the dirt mm -hmm. <laughs> and saved an entire hopper full of his his comrades and so you have this guy who's evidently a hero and who dies painfully um and then the other guy who's a coward and lives yes uh, and i thought that was and i like that scene between although it's a little over the top of that scene between Jake and Burke, where Burke is basically yeah. like, you know, uh, life, what is it? He says something about uh, life, life doesn't work like that. Yes. Yeah. Life you, doesn't work like that. You, and then he dies. You want to save my life to make it okay that you ran away. And then mm -hmm. that's not the way life works. Yeah. That guy I recognized from, uh, he's in the dark night. I recognized him by his voice in, oh. in the dark night. You never see his face, but I looked him up afterwards and he's like, you might recognize my voice. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, yeah. And so he is, he is another, uh, basic uh, uh kind of like point in in uh jake's journey of discovery yeah. here right because he he at the start we we meet this guy this ensign who has shot himself in the foot with a phaser and says oh no i was stepping over a klingon and it's, he 
I thought he was dead. He shot me in the foot with his disruptor. Uh, mm-hmm. And Bashir is like, these are phaser wounds. And right. uh, the ensign's like, no, they weren't phaser wounds. Um, mm-hmm. And then almost immediately breaks down to Jake and says, okay, fine. I shot myself in the foot. I'm very sad. Uh, I was scared. Um, yeah. And Jake is disgusted. And so then Jake goes out and uh, his first encounter with some uh, uh, projectiles exploding around him uh, and he runs away, which is understandable. That's why I was laughing because it's, it's an understandable, like you should run away from these things. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, he may have thought Bashir was dead at that point because he had been at least knocked unconscious. Mm -hmm. It's true. And so he's like, I'm out of here. Um, And uh, then he runs into, this is the sequence of events in which he's like, I'm out of here. Then he runs away and he ends up uh, on a battlefield with a bunch of dead Klingons. uh, And he's like, Oh no, this is too real. I'm going to run. And then he trips and falls down a hill. And I thought, Oh, maybe, maybe that's a bit much. Uh, And then he rolls knocked over the head by Burke. Yes, he does. He rolls into a Fox hole that is occupied by Burke who punches him because he thinks he's a Klingon. Uh, But then he realizes, Oh, he's just Jake, but he doesn't know he's Jake, but you know what I mean? Uh, And he's like, give me that hypo spray. Uh, and at that point, I thought for a moment, I thought, is Burke going to kill himself with that hypo spray? <laughs> right. He doesn't. Well, he definitely wanted more of it later because the pain started coming back. But the, Yes. But I think yeah, he dies of his wounds mm-hmm. and, and his hypo spray was, was empty. Yes. And so they have a lovely uh, conversation. Uh, well, lovely in that it is uh, good for Jake's arc. It's not a very nice conversation right. uh, because Burke is dying. And basically he says, oh, I... Uh, and this is the thing that I like. He he tells Jake the whole story about how, you know, his platoon got out alive because, you know, well, he says to Jake, did you see a hopper wreckage? And Jake says, no. And he's like, oh, that means they got out. And then he basically says, oh, my CO ordered me and my friend uh, to, to cover as they were evacuating. And he got on and I stayed here to cover so that they, the hopper could get out. Right. And Jake had a, I like Jake's reaction of like, you voluntarily stayed here. <laughs> that's right. Crazy. <laughs> he doesn't mm-hmm. say that, but you can, you can hear it. And I thought, yeah, that's, that's the right reaction to have. Uh, and yeah. of course it's layered on the whole thing of Jake having, you know, been disgusted with this guy who he thinks is a coward who shot him in the foot, which I guess mm-hmm. technically he is a coward because he shot himself in the foot. But once again, reasonable, uh, you can understand why he did it. And then Jake having realized that he is not, you know, this, uh, invulnerable warrior that he pictured in his right. head, uh, but rather ran away from danger himself. Um, mm-hmm. And then the other twist that comes at the end, which I also like is that the Klingons are, Oh, Burke dies. It's very sad. Uh, mm-hmm. And then uh, the Klingons arrive at the, the hospital, although only two of them apparently uh, budget. Right. <laughs> <laughs> two Klingons are quite formidable. <laughs> they, they are. Although I thought to myself, um, now, I'm not a warrior of any kind, so take this criticism, Klingon Empire, with a grain of salt. Uh, but I feel like your warrior shouldn't stand so close to one another when they are entering right. a room. They are, like, just mm-hmm. right next to each other, uh, shooting willy-nilly into that room. Right. Um, a lot of stormtrooper aiming in, in that whole scene. Yes. Everybody gets out, uh, except for Jake. Uh, I guess not everybody, because they send two guards, apparently. Resource, right. which I don't know what resource is, but I guess it's a thing that... Yeah, they sent a couple red resources. Yep, and they get both die. Uh, and then um, Jake is left in this room with a phaser rifle and two Klingons, and he's hiding under a table, uh, which, once again, 
a reason, very reasonable thing to do. Very reasonable thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> Something I would do. Uh, and he grabs the phaser rifle and you think, oh, I mean, I think as a, a writer of this episode, you could think, here's a moment that I could have, you know, Jake, um, maybe not instantly turn into an action hero because that would be kind of right. silly, but kind of like, <laughs> I am, uh, you know, it's do or die. I need to save the rest of these people. I just had this, you know, important one-on-one with this guy who sacrificed his own life for his platoon. And I am in the exact same situation. I should, mm-hmm. you know, pop up and start shooting at these Klingons. Um, and he doesn't do that. <laughs> no, not precisely. They, no. they definitely could have given him an action hero moment mm-hmm. and then had him, you know, be horrified by what he had done. Yes. Instead, he just kind of shoots blindly at the ceiling, which happens to work out. <laughs> yes, which is lucky for him and lucky for everybody else, too, because he, he makes the part of the ceiling collapse and that hits the Klingons because they're standing right next to each other and uh, also hits him and he the screen goes black and you think, oh, no, Jake is dead. Well, you don't actually think that, um, right. but he's not. He wakes up. Bashir's there. His father's there. <laughs> There's a ceasefire. There's a ceasefire. Everything's fine. Uh, yep. and, uh, one assumes he's killed those two Klingons, but we don't know. Uh, they yep. might've just backed out of the room. Uh, who knows? Uh, yeah. and Cisco's there cause they ran out of B plot. That's right. He finally gets there. He's, he's done, you know, aligning the replicator pattern buffers and, uh, right. <laughs> rejecting, uh, decaffeinated wrecked, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, he is here to save his son. Uh, although he doesn't really save his son. Uh, although I guess maybe their arrival is what spurred the ceasefire. So, Maybe, Maybe. Did. yeah. I don't know. Just one little ship, huh? One, one little. It's a tough little ship, though. Tough little ship, yes. <laughs> uh, it kind of ends very abruptly. It does, kind of, yeah. And I, I think it's appropriate the way it kind of ends with him uh, delivering what what he had written. You know that the line mm-hmm. between courage and cowardice is a lot thinner than most people believe. That's definitely it's obviously what we learned in the episode, right? We yes. didn't really need the voiceover to tell us that. <laughs> Um, but since he's a writer, I'm willing to accept the, the voiceover. Plus there's a, you know, the grand tradition of captain's logs in, in Star Trek. So it's true. Even though I'm not a fan of the voiceover, I'm willing to allow it for Star Trek. <laughs> I, I did write down a voiceover. Isn't a great sign for most episodes, uh, which right. I think is true. Uh, although the captain's log is the only exception. And I usually yeah. only like that at the beginning or the end when, uh, you know, right. Captain Picard tells us why they're at this weird planet. And then at the end, when he tells us the lesson we should have learned. <laughs> mm-hmm. I remember when, when I used to watch uh, TNG back in the day with a more limited vocabulary at the time, there was always, it seemed like there's always creepy music over Captain's, Captain's Log Supplemental. And so I thought mm-hmm. Supplemental meant something like it, we're in a bad situation. <laughs> <laughs> so for a long time, that's what I thought that meant. Oh yeah. You're like, I hope it doesn't get supplemental in here. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, right? I don't know what you're talking about. That's kind of like when you uh, read a lot uh, and you read all these words and you know what they mean because you read a lot, but you never actually use them. And you then, have no idea how to pronounce them. Exactly. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, I should use this word and I can sound smart and impress people. Uh, and then you don't. Yes. Um, I think yes. I, I did that with um, Dickensian. I had never said that before. Uh, and I knew mm. what it meant, obviously. Uh, and right. so I said it to somebody and I, I don't even remember how I pronounced it, but it was it was totally wrong. And they're like, do you mean Dickensian? And I was like, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> I'm going to leave now. I did that once with the word draft, meaning like draft beer. Ah, uh, yes. Um, I thought that it rhymed with brat. Ah. <laughs> uh, uh. I said draught because it looks like it would probably be pronounced that way in standard American English. Mm-hmm. Um, 
combination of just having never heard it and not really being a beer drinker, I guess. Uh, and people are like, what are you talking about? And there's not, a, there's not a lot of drinking in this episode. You would think that they would drink more. No, just a little bit of Erectogeno. And it, it probably makes sense to talk a little bit about the, the B-plot. And it's not even one coherent B-plot. It's just kind of meanwhile at the station. Yeah, right? there's there things are happening on the station. So uh, it opens the after uh, the shuttlecraft or uh, runabout uh, where they decide we're Go into this distress call. Mm-hmm. Um, we find we are reminded that um, that there is regular cast. There's a regular cast. <laughs> Kira is still pregnant with uh, Keiko and uh, Miles's baby. Don't forget that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was she, a creative way to cover Nana Nana visitors' uh, actual pregnancy. It is. They get they get uh, big points for me for doing that mm-hmm. um, because you know otherwise they would just like put her behind a, a bush or something or it would be weird right um and so she miles is concerned about her caffeine intake right. uh, <laughs> and has asked quark to create a decaf rectagino um, yes and which uh odo dubs a quark gino yes um, so much for the quark gino <laughs> it's apparently it's disgusting uh yes and here's my problem uh, Seth, with with a lot of these, I mean, it's funny. It's a funny scene, and I wouldn't change it. But if you think about mm-hmm. it, uh, they've got replicators, and I right. feel like you could just ask the computer to uh, formulate and generate a Ractagino that doesn't have caffeine in it, and it would do it. Evidently, out on the frontiers, it's not so easy, Scott. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just that's my only problem with this. Uh, yeah, and Quark is like, oh no! Whenever you take caffeine out of things, it's uh, it it, it uh, it's a delicate it, balance. It is a de- yeah. delicate balance, and uh, but here's here here's another thing. I am a big diet soda drinker, which I know I shouldn't mm. be, but I am. Uh, and so sometimes uh, concerned about my caffeine. Well, my wife is more concerned about my caffeine intake than I am. Uh, <laughs> so I I put into the mix uh, fairly recently. Maybe a couple of years ago, uh, because I I uh, also found out a couple of years ago that I have a. a, a atrial fibrillation uh and so we thought for oh. a moment that maybe it was caffeine was a trigger it's not right but we thought maybe it was uh so i very quickly cut back on my caffeine because uh, i didn't mm-hmm. want to have a stroke and um i started drinking decaf diet pepsi um which i always considered like why are you bothering to drink this it doesn't have right sugar or caffeine or <laughs> it's <anything>. brown and <laughs> it's, bubbly exactly uh but it does taste Almost exactly the same as uh, okay. Diet Pepsi. So my that's my long-winded way of saying I feel like it's not that hard to take the caffeine yeah. out. It's funny. I, I had uh, arrhythmia and my doctor took me off caffeine and I never went back on oh. um, because it turned out that mine actually was exacerbated by that. So. Yes. It's, it's you, the, the things you learn about uh, arrhythmias yep. and what trigger them. Uh, and yeah. my, my cardiologist was like, yeah, it could be any number of things that trigger it. Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know. Cut down on caffeine, see if that helps. <laughs> yeah. So in this episode, we have a conversation that uh, I feel like would not go over very well um, <laughs> right now. Um, and it is played for humor to some extent because uh, Dax doesn't think that O'Brien um, has any right to be talking about Kira's caffeine intake on account mm-hmm. of, you know, she's an actual person with actual opinions. <laughs> um, I liked her her uh, statement or her question. Why does pregnancy always make men hysterical? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's true. Sure. And then Worf pipes up that, well, she is carrying his child and he should have some say, you know. <laughs> and then I, I did enjoy, it was very consistent with 
the Ferengi ethos, right? That, oh, uh, well, yeah. the lessee does have some <laughs> rights that pregnancy is considered a loan or rental. <laughs> I did think that was the funniest thing in this episode. Yes, that, that was funny. On the other hand, you know, not cool. Not cool, no, Quark. It's, well, Quark is never cool. Like, uh, Ferengi are very yeah, He's regressive on purpose, right? Yes. Um, and it's supposed to make the other men look ridiculous because their opinions are, are kind of veering in that direction. Exactly. Uh, and that's why he gets away with it. Yeah. Uh, and and, and uh, I do enjoy Quark. He, uh, but that's mm-hmm. his only scene really is, uh, or not really, period, his only scene. Is, period, yeah. He's mentioned in another scene, um, but he is not in it. Uh, so yeah, they're they're drinking decaf, uh, Gino. It's disgusting. Um, and this is Cisco comes out and says, "Oh no, uh, Bashir, we just got a message from Bashir. They're going to this uh, hot spot." And everyone's like, "Oh boy, isn't that like really dangerous?" <laughs> and Cisco's right. like, "Yes, thank you for reminding me. That's why I'm worried because Jake is with him." Uh, and they're like, "Oh yeah," <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I thought, "Boy, yeah." You guys, you need to... Yeah, I can definitely understand. Um, you, you Then you have the subsequent conversation with Odo where you find out that he's a solid, and I had completely forgotten about it until he mentioned it. I'm like, oh, right, the one who was trying to turn into a hawk and mm-hmm. then remembered and couldn't do that anymore. Twisted his ankle or something. Um, or a condor, right? Tarkalian mm-hmm. condor. Yep. Um, and, you know, asking about the horrors of being a parent, right? And Cisco <laughs> reminisces about, I used to sneak into his room just to make sure he was all right, and I... I wanted to ask you as a father of pretty small children, mm-hmm. uh, is that something you found yourself doing? Yeah, I just did it uh, like two days ago uh, when, because yeah. they are, uh, when they are asleep, they are very still and you think, right. Oh my God. <laughs> they're yes. too still. But then you don't want to, you don't want to wake them up <laughs> because they're asleep and waking them up, you just have a crying baby and that's no fun right. for anybody. Uh, mm-hmm. And so you think, and you, 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 you know this as well. You get, oh, you're like, oh, should I, what do I do? Uh, and so what you do, if you're me, uh, and I'm sure many other fathers and mothers out there will relate, is uh, you try to stay very still and see if you can see their chest moving. Right. Uh, to indicate that they're breathing. And if you can't... Can I hear them breathing? Yeah, yeah, if you can hear them, if you can't do that. Uh, what I ended up doing, because our uh, sons wear these little sleep suits, and so they're in these little sleep suits, mm. and then they have like a blanket on. It's hard to see if they're what's happening in there. Uh, right. I held my finger under his nose uh, and then uh, felt the air coming out of his nose. And I was like, okay, he's yeah. fine. <laughs> Still good. <laughs> and then he I yeah. left. So I'm I'm kind of on the other side where Cisco is in this episode where he has an adult son mm-hmm. who is away and and not really protectable from a distance because um, my son is lives in a different state right now because he's away in college and so I can say the the uh, the worries don't go away they just change. <laughs> well, this is why uh, my wife was uh, much more interested in having children than I was. And so uh, mm-hmm. we, we took a while to get there uh, for a variety of reasons. But one of the reasons was my, my reticence to uh, have children. And uh, there are many reasons for that. But one of the things I knew is that just my personality-wise, I would just be right. like <laughs> constantly afraid of what would like harm would befall them uh, which i know is super common amongst parents and just very much knowing my own personality i was like oh my god it's just gonna be all consuming um yeah and uh it pretty much is so (laughs) yes i was gonna say uh, and i'm betting that uh paid off exactly (laughs) yes it is worse uh the worst when they are you know they're having fun they're doing something like and then i have this internal 
monologue with myself or argument where I think they're having fun doing this, but there is a chance that they could get hurt doing it. So do I right. just become, you know, I don't want to be the the parental figure that is just yelling no at them all the time. I want right. them to enjoy their childhood, but I also don't mm-hmm. want them to, you know, fall on a rock and bash their head open. So, right. <laughs> And this is one of those things that's reflected in the episode where Mm -hmm. Odo was like, well, this, this whole parenthood thing sounds like it's for the birds. And uh, and Cisco's like, no, 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 you don't know what you're missing. And that's, that's what it is. People with kids here, parents uh, constantly complaining about stuff and also saying, but it's the greatest, it's really the greatest thing. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, I was thinking about this because I am um, one of these reluctant parents. And so I thought no one comes to me for parenting advice first of all, and no one should. Uh, and no one also comes to me and says, hey, should I be a, become a parent, Scott? Uh, you, you don't want to come to me for that advice. But I, I thought to myself, I don't know why I was thinking about this, but hypothetically, I thought to myself, if someone were to ask me, I don't know why you would, should I become a parent? Um, it would be a difficult, like, I don't know what I would tell them because I would think I would basically tell them all the th- bad things that you're thinking about parenthood are true and multiply right. them probably by 20. <laughs> right. Um, but then there's this, this inexpressible thing that, yes. you know, you can't really describe uh, that. I don't know if it makes up for all the other stuff, but you don't not being a parent, you don't, you don't experience it. So you can't put yeah. it into your calculations and I can't tell you what it is and, either. And so. as a parent, you wouldn't trade it. Yeah. Exactly. So like, you know, these people, I love these people. I don't want them to go away. Um, and, uh, I'm happy they're here. Uh, but goodness gracious. Yes. It's, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. So I think my, my most of, if you're listening to this for parenting advice, which once again, you should not, unless Seth has something to tell you because he's probably far wiser than I am. Uh, I had one child and, and that was good enough. <laughs> I, I say just, just, uh, think about it. Yeah. Make sure that you are 100% uh, sure that you want to do this, which I know not everyone has the, the, um, the, the privilege of, of, uh, being able to have that, but, um, uh, yes, if, if you can give it some thought. <laughs> right. And, and like Jake said, the line between courage and cowardice is a lot thinner than most people believe. <laughs> it's true. And it's funny. This is so cliche, but now that, you know, I watched this episode before I had children and, um, you know, you, you at a, an intellectual level, you understand what, you know, Cisco is talking about, right? Cause of course it's his son. Um, he's worried that scene with Odo, who is not a parent, uh, and not even a human. So that's another thing. Like he doesn't really get mm-hmm. it at all. Um, is, and he's like, Whoa, I don't want to be a parent. That sounds awful. Uh, and you think, oh, right. oh, that's funny. But then as watching it as a parent, you think, Oh yeah, I know. I know this would be, uh, driving me crazy. Uh, yep. and, and then there are basically a bunch of the, every other B plot scene is basically showing us that Cisco is very worried about Jake. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, with his perspective of having, having lost Jake's mother, mm-hmm. um, especially, you know, like he said, he said, I, I will never let anything happen. Anything bad happen to this child. Mm-hmm. And all parents do that to some extent, but I feel like a, a parent who lost the other parent would especially feel yes. that. You would be super paranoid, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a nice scene with Dax and Cisco on the Defiant, because basically what mm. happens there, a ship, the Farragut, is supposed to be there to to bail them out and the Klingons destroy it. So then the Cisco says, well, we're going, and takes the Defiant and goes off um, yep. to help. Um, and, and there's a nice scene where he's, you know, 
uh, tinkering around with stuff that doesn't need to be tinkered with just to take his mind right. off of what they're doing. Uh, and Dax talks to him, you know, is it helping and tells a nice story about how uh, one of her hosts hundreds of years ago had a scare with one of the, her child or his child. I didn't really know which parent, but mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Uh, and they were in the hospital for two weeks and um, yeah. it was, it was awful. And uh, my favorite part was Cisco was like, well, what happened to the kid? And she was like, Oh, is she fine? She was fine. And uh, Cisco said, if that had, if that story didn't have a good ending, I would never have forgiven you. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and I thought, yes, yeah. that is the appropriate it's a nice thing. Scene. It is a nice scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they have a good chemistry together. Um, those those they two. do. Yeah, yeah. Um, most of the cast does. I feel like, and this episode, kind of, you know, moving towards summing up. I guess um, mm-hmm. it's not fantastic. I think it could be a little stronger if if Sir Rock Lofton, who plays Jake, was a little stronger of an actor. He's fine, but. You get some sort of not not similar things that happen with Nog, but he you know he goes through some trauma. Yes, and Aaron Eisenberg was a little stronger of an actor, and those those are more effective. I feel like, um, where here, it's good enough to to make the episode work, but uh, it could have been better. Yes, and I think part of this is. It, it, the story is not served by the compression as well, right? They they no. basically are like, okay, here's we need to do this arc. We have 42 minutes or whatever it is. And we need to hit all of these notes, like one after the other. And I feel that kind of, when I said at the beginning of this episode, that it was a little heavy handed. That was what I was talking about. Like the, all these plot beats, like yeah. immediately it's like, we've got to show Jake, uh, we've got to get him through the horrors of war and every single one of them right off the, like, you know, is a rapid succession. Uh, and so that right. was kind of like, mm, if you let it breathe a little bit and maybe let him, you know, maybe yeah. make this a two parter or something. I don't know. There's not really enough story for that, but you could have, yeah. Uh, maybe had a bigger B plot and made a two plot of a two parter and then had him sure. kind of sit with the repercussions of what was happening and maybe let a little time between, you know, him, uh, meeting the guy shooting himself, him, you know, uh, <laughs> running away from right. the sheer, falling down a hill, seeing a bunch of dead, like it, it all happens so quickly. Yeah. He just bounces off of different plot points mm-hmm. until the end of the episode. But I agree with you overall. Yeah. I'd say it's good. It's worth watching. Yeah. Um, uh, just remember, it's probably not great to just randomly watch it <laughs> because it is right. in the middle <laughs> of uh, like an eight episode arc, but uh, it's yeah. standalone ish. Like you just maybe watch the first five episodes of the season. Yes. You'll catch this one. And you'll you'll figure out, oh, yeah, yeah. that's why the Klingons are, are fighting each other. Or, or yeah. not fighting each other, fighting the Federation. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Seth, thank you so much. It was a pleasure uh, having you on, and I should invite you on uh, sooner than I did this time around again. Always available, Scott. Always nice to talk to you. <laughs>